Recorded live. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Friday night Bible study on TalkShoe. Glad to have you folks there in the chat room. Appreciate you being there very much. How you doing, Brother David? Great, Pastor. Looking forward to tonight here. Amen, brother. Amen. So am I. Folks, tonight we're going to, um, this is probably, more than likely, Lord willing, going to be our last installment on last day's prophecies in a world gone mad. We're going to start out, Brother David. We'll start out in Isaiah chapter 24. And um, you can go ahead and be turning there, Brother. And folks, Monday night, Sunday night, we'll continue with the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4. But Monday night, we'll be doing, uh, starting a program, a series. I don't know how long it'll go. It may just be one night. But it'll be called the Timeline of Deception. And it'll be dealing with um, historical events and dates that has caused the deception and decline in the body of Christ, in theology, in other words, period, it's just be deception that's happened down from the resurrection to the present. We'll deal with some dates and events in the past and bring them through to the present. But anyway, having said all that, 
Um, Brother David, if you would open us in a word of prayer, brother. Okay, certainly. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight, and we pray once again that you bring to remembrance any sins, any problem that lies in between ourselves and you, that we could deal with these tonight so that there would be a closeness and a clear communication and fellowship between us. I pray that the Word of God stir us up to do great works for Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful in all things and teach us tonight by dawn in the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. So be it. Amen. Amen, folks. Um, so far, we've had four parts. In this in this part four tonight, Brother David, in this series, Yes, we have hit on quite a few scriptures, folks, and, and this could go on. This series could go on and on and on and bring it right into the book of Revelation. I could do that, but Lord willing, tonight will be the last part. We're going to start in Matthew, I mean in uh, Isaiah chapter 24. Now, some of these scriptures, folks, some of these um, passages we go through has historical implication as well, like I've told you before. You'll be able, uh, the historicists that listen to this, they're going to probably say, oh, good, this happened. Yes, some of it did. But the majority of what we're going through tonight, from Isaiah chapter 25 on to chapter 30, you're going to see as we go down through these chapters it's never been fulfilled. The allegorizers, oh, they have a heyday in some of these chapters. Oh, this is allegorically talking about this and that. But you know where I stand with that, all right? I will say this about allegory. There are some places in the Scripture, like I've told you since the very beginning when I started teaching my position on allegory and metaphor. You take the scriptural, you take the Scripture literal as far as you possibly can, till it's impossible, practically impossible to take it any further, then you can dwell with the allegory part of it, the metaphorical part of it. Like Paul, like I give you the example before in Galatians, Paul just flat comes out and tells you, hey, guys, this is an allegory. And the context of the Scripture and what it's talking about will dictate whether it's an allegory or not. But the reason I hound on the people that's allegorical all the time is because they will, to, to get away from some of the basic Bible-believing Christian doctrine of their early church fathers, they'll jump into allegory to get away from the doctrine like uh, Ephesians chapter 6. All right? Ephesians chapter 6 talking about the principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. They love to jump allegory on that and, and some other places that are famous for their allegorical interpretations. But all that stuff started, we'll hit into that when the allegory started, when we get into the series on the timeline of deception starting Monday night. But anyway, just go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 24. And folks, Isaiah 24, it's, it kicks off this series of chapters and each chapter is tied in with the previous chapter. It's just it's a it's a full discourse. I know it's got there's chapter headings in in our English Bible, but in that day is the words you need to look for. I've mentioned to you before when you see in that day 
in that day, in the last days, in the last days, it'll have implications and there'll be doctrine there for the day of the Lord, which is not just one day, it, it, it encompasses a period of time, all right? I'm not going I'm, I'm to begin to say that I know exactly how long that period of time is. Some of the quote-unquote Bible scholars seem to think it's this or seem to think it's three and a half years, seven years, ten years. You know, they, they come up with all these, all these different numbers. I don't have any numbers, okay? I just know it encompasses a period of time, all right? Some period of time. We'll crunch the numbers, so to speak, when we get to the book of Revelation. But anyway, Brother David, if you would just read through Isaiah chapter 24, and then we'll begin when we get to Isaiah chapter 25. Okay. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth, and fadeth away. The world languisheth, and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. The new wine mourneth, the vine languish, and all the merry-hearted do sigh. The mirth of tabrets ceaseth, the noise of them that rejoice endeth, the joy of the harp ceaseth. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be better to them than that drink it. Shall be bitter, sorry, to them that drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. There is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city is left desolate. In the city is left desolate, the desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree, and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. All right, stop right there for just a second, brother. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you folks to keep this in the back of your mind. This day of the Lord that we're talking about, you, as we go through some of these other chapters, and when we go to another book, you'll hear 
um, the Lord, you'll hear the Lord say, the book will say, there's going to be a great shaking, a great shaking. The world's going to be shook. When he talks about this great shaking, whether it's mentioned in the context, when it talks about this shaking, it talks about it even in the book of Hebrews. And it says in the book of Hebrews that when he shakes, not only is he going to shake the earth, but he's going to shake the heavens too. It tells you that in the book of Hebrews. So this, these la- the last days or the day of the Lord always is encompassed with this great shaking of the earth. Literal, not figurative, literally. In the book of Revelation it talks about a great earthquake that happens that there's never been one like it since creation or never will be again. That's how bad the shaking's going to be. All right? I just wanted to throw that in so you could keep that in, in mind as we go through these other chapters. Go ahead, Brother David. Verse 14. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore, glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. From the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. But I said, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. There's that shaking. There's that shaking. And up here at the beginning of verse 18, it talks about the fear of a noise. I've never brought it up before, I don't think. There's something about that noise. It doesn't explain it. It could be there, it, it, but it's a special kind of noise. I don't know if you folks know about these sounds that are going around all over the earth, if you keep up with anything like that. They're not fake, all right? There's something that's being heard. And you know what the amazing thing about it is? People just listen to it and just... Pass it off. I mean, you hear like, oh, it's the trumpets of the angels, all this kind of stuff. But the thing about it, it's unprecedented. What I mean by that is there hadn't been a period of time before when these noises, whatever they are, are being heard in Russia, France, Arkansas, all the United States, Canada. They've been here. They've been heard everywhere. South America. I wonder what's going on. Don't nobody know. I hadn't heard a good explanation. I just know it's unprecedented. It's not like something happens every year or maybe happened four, five, 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 ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. Uh uh-uh, uh, it didn't. The grease ball bearing, like I'm always talking about, is spinning out of control down the backside of the greased mountain. All right? We're fast approaching. This time it's talking about here in Isaiah, chapter 24. Fast approaching. Go ahead, brother. 
Uh, could that noise be coming from the other side, like in the spiritual realm, because the windows of the vault or the veil, the windows in the veil are open? Absolutely, the, brother. I didn't want to jump off into that right Okay. Now. I but, just thought yeah, I Oh, absolutely. It. You know, yeah, if I, if I was going to stop and take time to talk about that specific thing, absolutely. They're coming. Mm-hmm. I believe they're coming from the other side. I believe okay. the Lord gives every kind of warning. The Lord, it's all, it, as you go through Isaiah, it'll talk about the Lord's wrath is so-and-so, but his arm is stretched out still. In other words, mercy Amen. is still being extended, folks. Mercy Amen. is still being extended. But you can extend all the mercy in the world to a folk, to a people, a folk, F-O-L-K, that are jaded, and sitting on their leaves, as it says in the book of Micah, that everything is wonderful. They they got three squares. They don't think about that stuff. That um, uh, when I talked about repentance the other night. Usually, people don't want to deal with that word till things are just going to hell in a handbasket. Till the kids laying there on the on the um, hospital bed taking their last breath. Or the doctor says it's terminal. Or your old lady leaves you. Or your husband leaves you. You get served papers from somebody you've loved for years. And then all of a sudden, for no reason, they're gone. In other words, that's just, folks, that's human nature. When things are going good, things are going good. It's a sad thing that we only want to turn to God when things are bad. Would to God that we would stay even, stay on an even keel. That's one of the reasons that I am such a stickler about faithfulness in everything that you do. I'm a stickler about a routine when it comes to reading the scriptures and prayer. All right? That's the reason I say that stuff. Because you don't want to wait Till things get bad to learn how to pray. You don't want, see, you, I, I think that's just, it's a child can understand what I'm trying to say. Brother David, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, I do. Uh, I think the problem is, and I know I was like this to a certain extent myself, but I, there's a lot of people that are really this way, and that is when everything is going well, and they, you know, it just seems like God's blessing you. It just seems like, you know, you're blessed, like you're in God's favor, that you're doing everything right. That's not true at all. <laughs> I know, I know. And it goes, you remember what you were saying before the show started, where if you're having no trouble, you automatically check yourself to see what it is you're doing wrong. Yeah, that's right, brother. People but associate blessings. They, they think that just because everything's smooth, oh, that's blessings from the Lord. Folks, that can be the biggest curse you could ever ask for because it causes complacency. It causes you getting away from your first love. I could go on and on, but I'm not going to park there and start screaming and hollering about that. You need to think about that stuff, folks. Just because you got money in the bank and food, you think all that, and it is a blessing. You should thank God for it. All right? But what will it cause? Does it cause you to, because you've got all that stuff, does it make you grow closer to the Lord? 
Does it make you pray more? Does it does it make you witness more for the Lord? Does it make you um, tell people about the Lord more? Does it make you read the Bible more? Well, I wouldn't call it that much of a blessing then if it doesn't. It seems like that would be a curse. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. Amen. Two-edged sword, folks. Go ahead, Brother David. Verse 19. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean, dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day, that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and shall be shut up in the prison. And after many days they shall be visited. Then the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. Amen. And Amen. Chapter 26, brother. Okay. I mean 25. Yeah, okay, 25. Verse 1. O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy Counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made of a city and heap, of a defensed city a ruin, a palace of strangers to be no city. It shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee. The city of the terrible nations shall fear thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. The branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. These terrible ones that it's talking about here, folks, they're just not normal people. They, you remember the Joel 2 army? You remember Isaiah chapter 13? Kings, open your gates and let the giants come through. Remember those, all that stuff that we dealt with in a few of the programs gone by? When I showed you about who those mighty men were, remember how we started out this thing in Genesis with the Gaborim, how Nimrod began to be one of those suckers, how we started out with Genesis 6 and the angels that sinned and started out all that stuff. These terrible ones that keep showing up have been mentioned three times here in just the first four, ver first five or six verses. That army of Joel too, that they fall on the sword and it doesn't hurt them. 
You ought to check out this stuff when you read through the Bible and see these 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 words that seem to, um, you know, they sound a little off the wall. You ought to check them out. You, you'll learn a whole lot and find out what he's talking about. All right? Verse 6, brother. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees, well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people. Okay, I want you folks to watch what he says here. We were talking about this before the program started, and Brother David mentioned something about the veil. If you keep that in mind as we're going down through, I want you to watch what he said here and in the next chapter, all right? Because he's that veil, the firmament, the veil, the spiritual, the dimension, whatever, he's going to take it away. He's going to tell you that in a little while, all right, as we get on through these chapters. But you're going to, you're going to see him, he's going to jump back and forth to the end of the day of the Lord, back to the beginning, and in the middle, in the beginning, at the end, in the middle, during... That's the way this in that day goes as we go as we're reading through here. He jumps forward to the end, just like in chapter twenty-four. We went all the way. He went all the way through that day of trouble, the day of Jacob's trouble. That's what it is. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble by Jeremiah. He went all the way through it, giving some of the physical things that happens to the earth, all the way down to yanking the divine counsel down and judging them and putting them in and putting them up as prisoners in the pit. The last few verses. From the start to the end, in the middle, that's the way these chapters are going to be. Go ahead, brother. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. What veil is he talking about? See, let's just stop and talk about this for a second. (laughs) He's going to destroy the veil. Take away the veil. What veil? Is he talking about the firmament? Or is he talking about something else? I think something else. So do I. Yeah, the veil that, uh, you know, that keeps people from understanding the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one thing. You know, in the book, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, he talked, when Paul's talking, he says, when that veil's taken away, mm-hmm. you, you remember that verse where he talk, when, yes. uh, he, mm-hmm. when Paul talks about that veil being taken away? Mm-hmm. I believe it can have more than one meaning. Yes, that's true. I believe it's got more than one, but this veil business is important, folks. It lets you know that the Lord's the author of every bit of it. He closes the eyes of some, opens the eyes of others, and he only grants repentance to the ones he wants to grant repentance to. I've spit and slobbered about that for for two years. Shouldn't that make a person tremble at his word? See, 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 now I'm fixing, the hair is starting to rise up on the back of my neck. All through the scripture, it talks about trembling at his word. 
they that tremble at my word do. That's not metaphorical, folks. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you take this word seriously enough for it to scare you? Oh, no perfect love casteth out fear. Folks, come on. You know what I'm talking about. If there's not a reverence for what God says, it will not show up in your life. When he says he's going to do so and so, when he talks about fire, and he's going to do so and so, do you stop and think about it? Do you let the Spirit of God work in your heart about a certain passage of Scripture? What have I got to fear? I'm Israelite. You're going to find out what you got to fear. Because even after, even if you're the elect of God, even after you get through, you still got problems at the judgment seat of Christ. There's still problems. There, if, if, if we only did tremble, and I'm speaking to myself too, folks. If we did tremble at his word like we should, if we reverenced this book like we should, if we opened the pages carefully and read them carefully with reverence and awestruck amazement at a father that dropped the book inside this place where we live now with the instructions and answers to every question that we're going to run across in this three score and ten. If we spent more time in godly reverence of his book, of his words, and really and truly believed them to where it affect our life, our way of thinking, our actions, our speech, our thought patterns, because it has that power, folks. The book has that power. If the heart's right, the Spirit of God takes this book and works in your life. Go ahead, brother. Verse 8. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebukes of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord hath spoken it. Amen. That's going to happen one day, folks. But you don't get the ice cream till you pay for the ice cream. And it's what Sam said. We want to think about the end result. We love to think about that uh, worlds without end and... Um, all the pleasure, all the, the we like to think about the end results without instead of the stuff leading up to it and what's got to take place. Say, go ahead, brother. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God; we have waited for Him, and He will save us. This is the Lord; we have waited for Him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, 
and Moab shall be trodden down under him. Now, Moab, what's he talking about? That's another thing I should have mentioned, and I'm going to go ahead and mention it now. These names, folks, this is the reason I said something about historical implications and then future implications and present implications. These names that pop up in these chapters, they'll have definite implication to those people at a period in time. But you can snatch the name out and put in the name. You, you can just put in a name. You can look around. If you see the hand of the Lord working in that way, you can plug in your own. You can plug in the name you want to put there. This people Moab. Ammon and Moab, Lot's kids. Incestuous relationship. That's who he's talking about. But this is way up in the future. They've waited for his salvation. What are they doing there? See? Who's it talking about? Do, are they still over there in that land of Moab? Or have they moved? See? you got to think about that too. Like when it talks about Egypt and Assyria. It tells you one place that Egypt is his people, Assyria is his right hand, and Israel his heritage. Three different classes. Three different people. The ones that are over there in that area now, you think he's talking about them? Or not? Is it the same people that was there at the time this was written? And no. what he's referring to? Of course not. See? That's the way you've got to look at this. That's where a lot of our brethren drop the ball. They drop the ball. Because if you're talking about the United States of America a thousand years ago, you're not talking about any of us. <laughs> you're talking about Navajo, Rapaho, Ute, Blackfeet. You got to think about it. Go ahead, brother. And right it there. shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest and Moab shall be trodden down under him, even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them, as he that swimmeth spreadeth forth his hands to swim, and he shall bring down their pride together with the spoils of their hands. Uh, kind of like a magic spell. Can you just, Do you visualize this? Can you visualize the Lord taking his hands, you know, and making a big sweep like a breast stroke and doing this right here? Did, do you read the scriptures like that, folks? Go ahead, brother. Verse, verse 12. Verse 12, yeah. And the fortress of the high fort of the wall shall, bring, he, shall he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, even to the dust. Even to the dust. That city of confusion, that mystery Babylon, which is in, encompasses so much. As we're going through, as you're going through the scriptures, folks, when you see Egypt, 
Assyria, Tyre, Moab, Philistine or Philistia. You can plug in a lot of things to those names. It talks about the Assyrian God it, it, in in the in the present tense. I'm talking about today or future. Like the Assyrians going to do so and so? Is it talking about? The Assyrian from their time? Of course not. It's using him as an example. He's a type of the wicked, that wicked of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He's called the Assyrian throughout the scriptures. There's the historical Assyria, and then there's the Assyria of type of that wicked one, the one that's going to be the ruler. He's the vile person that he talks about in Daniel. The one the historians is like to dump on the Pope, which the Pope is, like I've told you. He is that person. But he's not the person. <laughs> he's the type. And one and the best type. But he's not the final one. Not yet. Next chapter, brother. Okay. Verse 1, in that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Does that sound a little bit like Revelation chapter 20 through 22? <laughs> Folks, the book of Revelation is nothing but scriptures out of the Old Testament. I forget. I think it's nine. I think ninety-six percent of what you read in the book of Revelation is in verses in the Old Testament. Did you know that? Well, it is. Open the righteous, let the righteous nations, these righteous nations that will be judged during the millennial reign, that keep the truth, that they may enter in. That's the righteous nations of Revelation. Just turn over there, brother, and read it, okay? Revelation. Okay. Uh, which chapter is that? Go to twenty. Um, go to twenty-two. Okay. All right. Scan down through there till you see it. it Maybe may at the end of twenty-one, but I think it's twenty-two. Let's see, twenty twenty-one. Let me go and check it myself. It'll be in the same chapter where it says the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, brother. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's chapter 22. I had it right to start with. Starting verse 1. Okay. 
And he shewed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Okay, this is at the end. These righteous nations, folks, if you haven't, if you wasn't with us when we studied this, you need to go back and listen to it. These are the ones that come out of Ezekiel 40 through 48. We're going to, and, that, and the Lord will be mentioning those as we go through these chapters here in Isaiah. They're some of those folks. We're separate from them. This city is our dwelling place. It's called the New Jerusalem. Back to Isaiah, brother. Verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city, he layeth it low, he layeth it low, even to the ground he bringeth it even to the dust. Okay, folks. That he bringeth the ones that dwelleth on high in that lofty city. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You ought to read it in the Septuagint. <laughs> ah, yes. We're talking about something now that, that, that nobody talks about. Something in the skies. What is it? You know, Like I've told you before, there's a type, anti-type thesis, Antithesis. The scripture's not plain on this one. As far as I know, I've never studied it completely out. But I do know there's a type of the New Jerusalem, and it's not the New Jerusalem. I mean, it's going to be in the skies. There's all kind of stuff going to happen in the skies, folks. There's a reason the Lord's always telling you to look up, look up, look up. Stuff's going to take place up there. Whether you earth dwellers like it or not, it's already, it's already, some folks don't, won't have a clue it's too late. They'll catch the wrong side, and the deception will start. And, it, and the groundwork for the deception is being lain as we speak. And the ones that fluff it off, the ones that got their eyeballs in the dust, the ones that have their teeth in the dirt, that mind earthly things, that haven't set their affections on things above and not on things of this earth, you're going to be sucker punched. Folks, I'm t you're going to be sucker punched in a bad way. You better get a grip on it now Pray about it now. There's a reason the warnings are in there. There will be no excuses to the Lord. 
He's warned you. See, the problem is, is you took what man has said, a lot of men have said, and you're just solely set on earthly things. And hey, you might make it through, but you're going to continue to think about earthly things. You're going to wind up for my Ezekiel 40 through 48. Earth dweller? I'm not an earth dweller. My home's in New Jerusalem. You want to be that? You want to be in those last eight chapters? Suit thyself. Suit thyself. I'm not going to be. How can you be so sure? I know I'm not. Because the book tells me, and I believe the book. Continue reading, brother. Verse 6. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou, most upright, dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Oh, uh, um, who's going to learn righteousness, Brother David? The inhabitants of the world. Amen. They sure are. wonder where they're going to learn it from. It seems like we did a whole series about that. You know, folks, it talks about being kings and priests. <laughs> you want to be one of them, don't you? Like I said, you're a bozo in New Jerusalem. You'll be one of these teachers that teach this stuff. We'll hit on that in just a few minutes when we get in. Well, I'm going to jump over to Micah and show you something. Anyway, go ahead, brother. Within my soul... Have I desired thee in the night? Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be shewed to the wicked. Yet will he not learn righteousness? In the land of of uprightness will he deal unjustly? And will not... Behold the majesty of the Lord? Yep, and the answer is absolutely yes. Folks, they're going to be, listen, there's going to be people that turn on the Lord when he's standing right in front of them. They're going to bow down and grit their teeth that they have to bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. They, well, how did they make it through? Folks, there's not just us getting through the end time, contrary to the false doctrine being taught out there. Everybody is not, we're not, all Israel is not lumped into one big uh, happy basket like you're, some, are being, some folks is being taught out there. It's, it's not that way. 
That's what the whole eight chapters, last eight chapters of Ezekiel is about. And that's why they want none of the rest of them touch it. There's a difference between the bride of Christ, folks, and the whosoever wills. I have, I have, I have taught and taught and explained and explained and went through the scriptures ad nauseum about this. The bride of Christ is standing beside the Lord, giving the invitation. And the last, the, the last example is right there in front of your face in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. And folks read right by it and don't even pay any attention to it. For goodness sake, I, what, I try, what I try to do is try to, to, for you not to get in that mindset as long as I'm in, as long as I'm in. Folks, that is the worst mindset you, should, you could ever get into. Well, I might do that just as long as I... It's not going to work that way, folks. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of the Lord Jesus Christ depart from iniquity. Back at Timothy chapter 2. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Can't you can't you flip side that and see what it's saying? If you don't, you won't. It's just that that's the way it is. You want to be a king and a priest? You want to reign with him? You've had it dumped into your lap. I hate to even use that word. Judeo-Christianity that everybody gets all these rewards just dumped no matter what. It ain't that way. Folks, I come from that bunch. I know what they teach. And on the majority of the teachers on this, this persuasion is just as bad. Just as bad. They'll tell you just because you're white, everything's right. That's just as damnable a lie as the other side is. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, rightly dividing the word of truth. Brother David. Verse 11. Lord, when thy hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they shall see and be ashamed for their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thine enemies shall devour them. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. Man. Oh, Lord. Whoa. That's a good, oh, that's an awesome verse. Yes, it is. The Lord, the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord, folks. The elect steps are ordered by the Lord. You can look at it in the Hebrew all you want to. That's what it says, okay? The Lord has ordered these works. That's the reason Paul warns you and Peter warns you. 
They warn you, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. I quoted it the other night. Second Peter chapter 1. Peter warns you too. Make your calling and election sure. Paul says, examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not, Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. Verse 13, brother. O Lord, our God, other lords besides thee have had dominion over us, but by thee only will we make mention of thy name. They are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. No, what are you talking about, Brother David? (laughs) Divine counsel. That's exactly what he's talking about. Go ahead, brother. They shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord. Thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far unto all the ends of the earth. Lord, in trouble have they visited thee. They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. Like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. They sent out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. I'm not going to go into it right this second. Some of you folks should know who he's talking about right there. There was somebody that sent us another person with a petition to the Lord to have mercy on them for what they did, and the Lord said no. Enoch. That's exactly right. Go ahead, brother. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth. Neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body shall they arise awake and sing ye that dwell in dust for thy dew is as the dew of herbs there's the resurrection amen there's first corinthians 15 there's the resurrection go ahead brother and the earth shall cast out the dead come my people enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. Whoa! See, there is that indignation of the wrath of God. Now, he gives a warning to his people. That's what it says, doesn't it, Brother David? Come, yes, my, people. my people, enter thou into thy chamber. And shut thy door about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. That's the Lord warning. That's the Lord giving his people a warning. What's right above that? The resurrection from the dead. Verse 19. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, 
but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump. Next verse, brother. Verse 21. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. And think, did you think I was kidding? Say, folks, verse 21, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth. That's Second Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter 15. At the resurrection, right up there, in the verses above that. That's that time period, at the last trump. Next chapter, brother. Okay. Chapter 27, verse 1. He starts it out, in that day. That's what we've been doing. In that day, in that day, in that day. Go ahead, brother. In that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent. And he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Okay, he's going he's to kill this Leviathan. You know, it'll tell you in, in your concordance that it was probably, probably a plesiosaurus. <laughs> well, if it's a plesiosaurus, then there must be plesiosauruses running around now, or else how could he how could he punish this one right here? How could he punish when you can allegorically you could make it the bad rulers? Allegorically, you could say he's talking about the Jew. You could metaphor and allegory anything in here, but it's not just Leviathan, the crooked serpent. It's also the dragon. That is in the sea. And conjunction. And the dragon which is in the sea. What's he exactly talking about? I don't have a clue other than what he said. Other than what he just said. But I will show you something. I will show you a little something. Turn back to Isaiah chapter 14, brother. Okay. Isaiah chapter 14. Okay. And let's see. Let's go down here to where it says, Oh, Philistina. Let's see. Um, let me find it. Yes, you done. Uh, rejoice, though. Oh, I see it. Verse, 20, verse, verse 29. 29, yes. Rejoice, not thou whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken, for out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. Okay. In the Septuagint, folks, it says out of the serpent's seed. <laughs> That's what it says, and because root can mean seed. Out of yes. the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice. And 
his fruit, his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. His offspring, right? That's correct. Look at verse 30. And the firstborn of the poor shall feed, and the needy shall lie down in safety. And I will kill thy root with famine, and he shall slay thy remnant. Whoa. One's going to kill this, and the other one's going to kill that. Hmm. Folks, I don't understand all this right there, okay? I just wanted to show you the reference back to it. Some of you Bible scholars out there can... Maybe the Lord will show you something. I don't. I, I don't know what He's talking about here. I've got an idea. I've got an idea that it's got something to do with Daniel two forty three, and I got an idea. It's got something to do with Daniel chapter eleven twenty verse twenty one to the end of the chapter in there somewhere. I believe that's where it would you would put you would place it. Maybe the Lord will show you something out there, okay? Out of those, out of that verse. But I just wanted to show you that reference. Back to um, Isaiah 27, brother. Verse 2. In that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. The briars and thorns. Hmm. The wicked. That's who that. That's allegorically speaking. That's who that is. The briars and thorns. I will keep the vine. The vineyard. Is that the vineyard he's talking about? Who is the vineyard, brother David? Uh, Israel. That's right. That's right. Verse 5, brother. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. Let Let him, or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. Whoa. What's he talking about? Verse 6, brother. He shall cause them that come out of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Hath he smitten him as he smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him. Oh, who is this? Him. Who would you think it was, Brother David? I am, I think it's got to do with uh, Lucifer, Satan. Uh, he shall cause... He shall he cause shall them out of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Huh. Sound like the Lord to me. But then it says, Hath he he smitten him, 
as he smote those that smote him. See? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? Don't know. Don't know. Verse 8. In measure, when I it shooteth forth, thou wilt debate with it. He stayeth his rough wind in the day of the east wind. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. Wow. I think it's talking about the Lord, brother. Go ahead. And this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the, the groves and images shall not stand up. Okay, yes. let's stop right there for just a second. Let's look at verse 9 closer. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. Well, the, the Lord Jesus Christ sacrifice. His sacrifice took care of the sins of the whole world. What's he talking about Jacob's sins being purged? What's what's going on here? Shall the iniquity, the lawlessness of Jacob be purged? Didn't say sin. Huh. Turn to Romans chapter 11. Okay. See if we can find a reference here. Drop down okay. there to about verse, um, I think it's around verse 21, where Paul talks about, um, and then the deliverer shall come out, um, come out of bond. Um, The deliverer shall come out of Zion. Does it say, what is that? Deliverer shall come out and... Uh, 21 says, for if God spared not the natural branches. So we're talking about a vine here. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was back. Okay. Keep on reading. Okay. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Next verse is what I'm looking for. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and 
shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Okay. It says here in verse 9, By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged. There it says, The deliverer shall come out of Zion and take away ungodliness from Jacob, right? Yes. Yes. Jacob's in both of them, iniquity and ungodliness. Didn't say sin, did it? No, it says ungodliness. Okay. Okay. There's something there. Back to verse 10 in Isaiah. Okay. Yet the defensed city shall be desolate, and the inhabitation forsaken, and left like a wilderness. There shall the calf feed, and there shall he lie down, and consume the branches thereof. When the boughs thereof are withered, they shall be broken off. The woman come, and set them on fire, for it is a people of no understanding. Therefore he that made them will not have mercy on them, and he that formed them will shew them no favor. Man, that's a tough verse right there. That's tough. Verse 12. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt. And ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Oh, I ain't sure about all that stuff. I'm not sure about it. Don't know. There's questions there in my mind. Can't put. I can't nail that down for sure. Anyway, next chapter, brother. Okay. Chapter twenty-eight, verse one. No way. I tell you what. I tell you what. Go to um. Jump back to Isaiah chapter two. Okay. Hey, folks, and don't think I'm going backwards because it all deals with the day of the Lord in in the last day. So um, I'm not I'm not going backwards. <laughs> Isaiah Starting two, at verse, verse one. Yeah, Isaiah two one. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Are uh, you thinking that's all he was talking about was Judah and Jerusalem? That's what he says. That's what he says in the first, very first verse. Now watch it. Go ahead. Just drinking water. <clears throat> sure. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow out of it. Now we just dealt with some of them nations coming in there about the truth a while ago, didn't we? Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Verse 3. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, 
and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is definitely the last. This is in the millennial reign, folks. This is definitely what this is talking about. Continue, brother. Verse 4, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Okay, we'll just stop right there. Now that's just it. That is millennial reign language if I ever heard it. Turn to Micah chapter 4. Okay. Start reading with verse 1. Micah chapter 4. It's going. You're going to read the same thing you read in the first four verses in Isaiah 2. Okay. First four verses. Yes. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and He will, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What it just said back in Isaiah, didn't it? Isaiah yes, chapter 2. Continue on, we'll show you something. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. That's, that's, that's exactly what we just read in Isaiah. Exactly. Almost word for word. I think it is word for it word. It is word for word, brother. I, I brought this to y'all's attention many times. I just want to show you something else tonight. Go ahead, verse 4. But they shall sit every man under his vine, and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. Verse 5. For all people will walk, every one, in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God. Wow. Ever and ever. Wow. Every man shall walk in the name of his God. Hmm. Little G God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Hmm. You know, well, I know who this little G God is. It's you and me. (laughs) Wow. It's exactly who it is. It's the rulers over many cities. It's the kings and priests. Because at the resurrection, we get a body just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And we have to take the place of the divine council. That's exactly. Amen. Amen. That's exactly what's going on here. And I turn to Daniel chapter 10, and I'll show you what nails nails this down. Daniel chapter 10. Okay. There. Read the last three verses. Listen to what he says, folks. Daniel 10, 19. And said, 
O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee. Be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had... No, I'm sorry, when, brother, I gave you the wrong references. Daniel chapter 7, the last three verses. Okay. I apologize. I'm going to show you these people. And remember what it said back here, for every man, the people, they'll walk in the name of, of his... Every man will walk in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God. Remember that phrase with what David's fiction to read here in Daniel chapter 7. Okay, Daniel 7, verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times, and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. That, that verse 26, take away his judgment, that judgment, the one, the his right there, it's talking about that vile person, it's talking about the antithesis, it's talking about that uh, second... Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, is talking about that wicked, that uh, vile person that he talks about in chapter 11 of Daniel. That's who it's talking about. It's talking about the antithesis of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's talking about the man of sin. It's talking about the son of Apollo, the son of perdition. That's who he's talking about. His judgment's going to be taken away because Satan's the god of this world. He'll be given that chance. He will rule this world. In the flesh. And his judgment is going to be taken away. Verse 26. Now watch it. Verse 27. Watch it close. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Ah! Given to... The dominion is going to be given to the people... Of the saints of the Most High. The people of the saints, folks, we're saints. But there, we're, there's going to be people under us. They're going to, it's going to be, the kingdom's going to be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. You see that, Brother David? Yes, I do. Very it's, clear. It's very simple to understand. If you folks will slow down and read and pay attention to what you're reading. Finish out the verse, brother. Whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Amen. Back to Micah 4, and watch, watch the continuation of this, and then watch, watch the abrupt change that's coming up. Okay, where was I again in Micah 4? Let me uh, get there myself, brother. I think it's verse 4. Yeah. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. For all people will walk, every one in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that Haleth, or that halteth, halteth, 
and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. And I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth, even forever. Par- Let me show you how important a paragraph mark is, folks. He just gave me. He just gave you a quick dissertation of what we read over in Isaiah. All right, and then flipped over to Daniel to show you who about these people that's going to be sitting under their God. You're that's who you are. You will be just like Jesus Christ after you get your resurrected body, and you're going to reign forever. Now, watch this paragraph mark change the whole demeanor of everything going on. Watch it, brother. Go ahead. Verse 8, And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. Mm. The The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field. Watch it, watch it. And thou shalt go even to Babylon. Wow. Wow. Then thou shalt go to Babylon. That's where we go every time, folks. Redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. Now, also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. Arise. Do, you, do, you, do you see what's happened, David? Do you, do, you see, do you see what's happened? After everything that was said in the first few verses, the degeneration took place, and then, everybody, and then we went to Babylon. That Babylon, that's symbol, that symbolic language of degeneration. That's what it's talking about. Do you see that? Hmm. Okay, yeah. Do you see how it changed tenor from we're going to be with the Lord forever and ever, and then all of a sudden how it shifts gear? Yeah. Do you see how somebody could go? Do you see how somebody could go in there and misinterpret those scriptures? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see how they would say the first part of it, this is allegorical, and this is talking about this. You you understand now? This, what the point I'm trying to get across. It's how the scriptures are written. And the reason that I teach the way I teach, and I've brought this up many times, but this is a perfect example right here. How you can be how you just can't take a context and stick and, and just say a hundred percent of the time this context only means this. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the point I wanted to get across. Go back to Isaiah now. Okay. Isaiah 28. 
Isaiah 28, we're going to run through a long period of time here. Verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is fading flower, which are on the the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord hath a mighty and strong one, which as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overthrowing, shall cast down to the earth with the hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, shall be trodden under feet. And the glorious beauty which is on the head of the fat valley shall be a fading flower. You know, I, at, I just want to make a little tongue-in-cheek. Well, in, in a way it's tongue-in-cheek, and in a way it's not. You know how um, in um, British Israelism, Ephraim, Great Britain is supposed to be Ephraim? Yes. You know, they're bad about getting drunk over there. You know that, Brother, brother Brian? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that bunch of bar, bar of flies over there. It's, it's funny that I, I, ever since I've read this, I've thought about that. You know, the drunkards of Ephraim. It's oh, not yeah, only they, every day they have after work like a happy hour or something. <laughs> they go, yeah. Oh, brother Brian, he could tell us all about it. He has to put up with that stuff over there. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's just awful funny that that's actually the way it is over there. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, brother. And as the hasty fruit before the summer, which when he that looketh upon it seeth. While it is yet in his hand, he eateth it up. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory, and for a diadem of beauty upon the residue of his people, and for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. Okay, this is not that, and this is where allegory does come in handy, folks. He's not talking about literal wine and literal strong drink. You're going to find that out in just a second. He's going to be talking. He's talking about deception and false doctrine. That's what he's talking about. You find that out in the next few verses. Just wanted to show you an example of a metaphor, more metaphorical speaking or an allegorical speaking, okay? Passage, that's what this is right here, verse 7. Go ahead, brother. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. This is the way you know that what I just told you is the truth. Like I told you, the context will dictate an allegory, okay? Go ahead, verse 9 explains it. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk, and drawn from the breast. Okay, I've shown y'all this before. There's two. He mentions this 
this uh, this framework twice. Once is for real doctrine. The other is for false doctrine. He mentions it twice. He's going to tell you. He's going to he's going to mention the passage twice. Once is the real way. The second is the false doctrine way. It, it's plain if you just read it and pay attention to what you're reading. Go ahead, brother. Verse nine. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk, and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. For with stammering lips, and another tongue, will he speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, <laughs> precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. See there? See, do you see that, Brother David, how it, how it explains itself? Yes. One is the true, one is true, spirit-led, line upon line, precept upon precept. The other, the other one is pure false doctrine, led astray. It's plain, plain, plain as day. Right there. Verse 14, brother. And there Wherefore? it's encapsulated by two paragraph marks. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men that rule this people which is in Jerusalem. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Oh, that, that man, that, I've always thought that this is talking about the elite, the Israelite elite, brother, that, that are part of the uh, ruling elite today, that they've mm -hmm. made a covenant with death and hell. Mm. You ever like thought the about Illuminati that? and the Masons? Right, correct, and that. absolutely, yeah. yeah. They made a, a covenant with death and hell. Well, they sure have, if they're in that lot. That's right. Yeah. You know, like the Queen like the queen of England, you know, and and Queen Beatrice and all that bunch? Oh, yes. Yes. Go ahead. Verse 16. Mm -hmm. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. That's talking about the Lord, folks. Go ahead. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And the hall shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters shall overflow the hiding place. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with her hell shall not stand. Wow. <laughs> so the Lord just said, I don't care how many covenants you made, it ain't going to hold water. 
but it ain't worth a flip. Go ahead. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you. For morning by morning shall it pass over, by day and by night, and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. Wow. What's he talking about? What's he, what's he talking about? What's going to pass over? This consumption? What is it, I wonder? Hmm. What's going to pass over? What, what about this consumption deal is going to pass over? I wonder what it is. Huh. Go ahead, brother. Verse 20. For the bed is shorter than a man can stretch himself on it, and the covering narrower than can wrap himself in it. Hmm. Huh. I wonder if that's got something to do with the DNA of some of these people. Hmm. Oh, yeah, like the Giants. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Verse 21. For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Now, therefore, be ye not mockers, lest your bands be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a consumption, even determined upon the whole earth. Give ye ear, and hear my voice. Hearken, and hear my speech. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? When he hath made plain the face thereof, doth he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place? For his God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. For the fitches are not threshed with a threshing instrument, Neither is a cartwheel turned up about upon the cumin, but the fitches are beaten out with the staff and the cumin with a rod. What's in there is not supposed to be in there. What there's something in there that's not supposed to be there. Verse 28, brother. Bread corn is bruised because he will not ever be threshing it nor break it with the wheel of his cart, nor bruise it with his horsemen. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. Amen. Amen. What time is it, Brother Kevin? 8.42. Okay. We've been on long enough tonight. Is there any questions in the chat room? No, sir. Okay. All right, folks. That'll be it for tonight. Um, good job, Brother David. We're going to uh, do Isaiah chapter 4. Not Isaiah chapter 4, but Luke chapter 4 Sunday night, and then we will do the timeline of deception Monday. But if there's um, no questions in the chat room, then we will go ahead and knock it off early tonight. You got anything, Brother David, you want to say? No, no.
that was uh, <clears throat> very interesting. A lot of it. There was uh, some of the things I didn't quite get, but well, we'll we can go over it again, <laughs> brother. Yeah. It, oh yeah. We can go it, over it again. They some of the things. Yeah, there's some. You never that. hear about this stuff anywhere else. Do what, brother? I never hear about this anywhere else. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, folks, um, I appreciate you being there tonight. Appreciate it very much. And uh, we will see you Sunday night, Lord willing. I'll dismiss us in a word of prayer, and Lord willing, be back Sunday night. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had to spend together, Lord. Now you you know each and every one of us heart, Lord. Now yeah. you you whatever we need, Father, in our spiritual life, in our daily walk, Father, I pray that you take your words and you would uh, apply them in our heart and give us those needs. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit make intercession for each and every one of us because it's the Spirit that knows your mind and He knows your will. A lot of times we don't have a clue what your will is, Father. And we have to rely and depend on the Spirit that dwells within us to make those prayers to the throne room. But we have confidence and faith that the Spirit will do that, Father, and we have confidence and faith in you that you will do, you will answer according to your will, because that's what your book says, that this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know he heareth us whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petition we desire of him. Now, Father, we know that you will answer according to your will all these prayers. Forgive us for any unforgiven sin that it's in our life, Father. Any imaginations of our heart that flares its ugly head. Any demonic spirit that tries to rear its ugly head in our daily life, in our thought life, in, in our thought patterns, Father. What we do with our hands, may that be clean and pure. Where we go with our feet, may, be, may it be straight past and not crooked. I pray for each one in the chat room. Father, each one has a specific desire in their heart that they, that they would love to see you accomplish. Father, I pray that you would answer those prayers. Each one of us, Father, has besetting sin in our life that bugs us and has bugged us for years, Father, up and down. I pray that you would give us victory. Give each and every one victory in the chat room over those sins that raise their ugly head, Father. You know what they are. I pray that your blood would cover each and every one of us, the downloaders. I pray the same for them, Father, though I don't know who they all are. Answer their prayers according to your will. Let them know you answer the prayers, Father. Give them a little taste of sight, whether it's not all the time by faith, even though I know without that faith it's impossible to please you. Father, we look forward to the day when your sun splits that eastern sky because that will solve every problem that we have today or ever will have. That's why the prayer stays on our lips all the time and will continue to be till either you call us home or you do split the eastern sky, and that's even so. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless each and every one of you, and see you Sunday night, Lord willing.
Good night, Brother David. Good job, Brother. Good night, Pastor. Thank you. Bye. 